I used to be a woman that had a lot of attitude. I felt like I had to defend myself at all times. I um, just had this chip on my shoulder. You know, my mom would come to me and tell me, do you want to go to church with me today? Do you want to know about Jesus? And I'd always give her the same line, which would be, don't worry about me. And, you know, stay out of my business is what I would always tell her. They continued to pray for me for five years before I decided to surrender my life to Jesus. One chapel was going to have baptism in April for uh, Easter. And uh, my family had been asking me, this is your chance, are you going to do it this time? I never responded, never gave them an answer. I just kind of kept it inside. Um, before I knew it, uh, it was Sunday, and it was time for me to get baptized. And I stand in line, ready to be baptized, and kept moving towards the back of the line, back of the line, just a little intimidated by everything. Um, but it was my turn. As soon as I got under the water, my plan just was out of the window. And Jesus just helped me to see some of the things that I had been doing in the past. Um, I got little images of just different choices that I had made that kept keeping me from him. When I get out of the water, I just feel like a brand new person. I felt something different about myself. And I look at the water, it's still the same clear water, but I knew that everything that I had seen and those images was left in that water. And I had just come out of that water as a new person. The exciting part about all of this, about the experience, about, you know, being afraid and then just stepping out and surrendering to Jesus and then experiences this great love. I'm just overwhelmed with this like confidence that I know Jesus is with me. I love uh, Sonia has a whole story of how she, how she acted before baptism and how she acted afterwards. It is really a profound impact. And, and you never know what is going to happen when you obey the Lord by doing something like water baptism. And, and for so many people, they do get nervous. Like there's several candidates. I was meeting with them, baptism candidates. They're all going to be baptized. I think there's about 10 of them today. And I was sitting with them before the service. And you can tell on their face, they're like, everything's nervous. Like, I have to be dunked in a tank in front of everyone, right? That's, that's kind of what they're nervous about. But I think there's something more than that. It's a spiritual experience. God is doing something in their lives, and it's so amazing when that happens. I want to talk a little bit about that kind of thing today. I want to talk about what happens when we obey the Lord in water baptism. Of course, I... Uh, we've never done water baptism on a Sunday morning. This is the first time, right? Was, we were three years old as a church, and we've never done water baptism in a Sunday morning service. We've always done it in evening services or special events. But here's what we decided. We decided that if it was important enough to do a special event for, 
it was probably important enough to do on a Sunday morning. So I'm total, I'm, I, I think there's a bunch of things that we're going to do on a Sunday morning. We, like, for instance, we used to do Love Austin on a Saturday all the time, and, uh, and then we moved it to Sunday morning because we decided that this is important enough for us to sort of put our money where our mouth is, and let's make sure that we are helping people be formed and shaped by our worship. My, now, people have, people have a... Uh, different responses to the the way that we worship. I mean, to some people, our style of worship we just had was a little bit uh, expressive for them, uh, a little bit challenging. To others, we were super tame. Uh, And so so there's all this cross-section. But it's funny because one chapel is kind of a... I think we're more comfortable uh, in a barn than we are in the PAC, it's kind of interesting. It's like the, this, this journey of being here. Uh, you know, we, when, we, when we have a baptism service, we've been baptizing people in a horse tank. So we brought a horse tank into the PAC so that people could kind of relax. <laughs> I, I really think it's kind of one of these things where we, I, I wanted it not to be on the stage or up in a hole, you know, out there are many churches that have a a hole in the back wall and suddenly a pastor appears and I mean it's all great it's fine it's awesome I think it's good but it's just not our way (laughs) and so we brought a horse tank and put it in the middle of the PAC and it's sitting right over here and it's water uh the water's a little discolored because we flew it in from the Jordan River so (laughs) just just kidding. No, it came out of the pipes that way, and we made sure we put stuff in it to make sure it was clean and all that stuff. So, so uh, don't be afraid of that. But I, 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 was, I was thinking about baptism, and, and all my kids, uh, four out of my five kids, I've got five kids, and so four of them have been baptized. And I, I don't let any of my kids be baptized until they can really explain it. And I think this is really what we should do. This morning, we're going we're gonna to dedicate some babies. There's a, some families over here, and we're going to dedicate these babies to the Lord. And the reason we do it this way is because I think water baptism is a decision that you make. It's not something, you're not, you're not baptized into a religion as a baby. I think following Jesus is a decision, and you decide to surrender to him. You decide to identify with his death, his burial, and his resurrection. You decide to let him work in your life. And I, I think that's how Christianity works. Um, you're, you're, you, you, don't get, you don't get baptized into Christianity unless you're willing to surrender your life to Jesus. And so when, when kids, uh, when parents want to raise their kids in obedience to the scriptures in a Christian home, we, we pray over them and dedicate them, which is like consecrating them to God's purpose in their life. And so we use, we use, instead of infant baptism, we use infant dedication. So these parents, they stand up here and say, God, we, you gave these kids to us. Now we give them back to you. You do with them as you will. Help us to raise them well. And these are, these are such important forms of worship that, that begin to shape us. And my kids, so four out of my kids, I've had the privilege of baptizing them. And every time, it's, it's an emotional and spiritual experience. And uh, my, my fourth born, he's really, um, 
he's really a unique, unique character. His name is Ethan, and he was telling his mom for a long time, you know, he'd come to these baptism services. He was like, this is awesome. I want to be baptized. Okay, well, what is it? Uh, something about Jesus. And he, he couldn't quite get it, but he really wanted to get in that tank. The tank looked fun to him. And so finally he, was, he, he came up with this thing and he said, you know, I'm, he, he's, his way his mind works is so amazing. He said to his mother, I want to have braces. I'm thinking of, he's thinking about his life and he said, my teeth are crooked so I want to have braces and I want to get paralyzed. <laughs> so like talking to his mom, she, Amy's like, what, no, what? what are you saying? You, you want to get braces and you want to get paralyzed. You know what paralyzed means? And he's like, yeah, well, you know, when you go down into the water. <laughs> She's like, no, that's baptized. He's like, oh, I want to get baptized. And it was so funny. So he, he, he was able to explain it. He was able to explain being like Christ in dying to your old life and then letting him fill you with his new life. And that's what the picture is. It's like being buried. Being buried underwater. When you go down under the water, you can't breathe. What is it? You can't, you can't have life without God. You can't have life without him filling you. It's, it's a picture. It's an illustration. And I think this is the important thing about what we're doing here. Water baptism is definitely a physical demonstration of a spiritual reality. I could see it in the faces of these people who are going to be baptized today. Jesus is doing something in their lives, and you can see it. You can see it on their faces. You can see it in the way that they're, they're, they're moving to this decision point, this opportunity to identify with Christ. It is such a wonderful thing. And my son, it was so amazing to watch him after he got baptized. He was very aware of it. And he was... Um, I've told this story before, but I, I, I was so amazed at it. He was fighting with his brother, like the week after, two weeks after he'd gotten baptized. He's fighting with his brother, and he's yelling at him, screaming at him. He stopped right like mid-sentence and says, uh-oh, baptized. <laughs> and he remembered that if he's baptized, he's given his life to Jesus, so he can't treat his brother like that. Uh-huh. This is, this is what happens, I think, when we obey the Lord in doing something as simple as dunking people in a tank of water. And I want to explain a little bit about why we worship the way we do. If we could zoom out a little bit, because I want, I don't, I'm not going to... I'm not going to teach on baptism every Sunday like this when we have baptisms, but I tell you what I am committed to. I am committed to doing more frequent baptisms because I'm beginning to believe that it is such an important part of people's journey once they commit their lives to Christ. It's an important step of obedience as they commit their lives to Christ. I'm going to talk about that in just a second. But but we're going to do more of them on Sunday mornings, and I won't always speak like this about them, but I want you to zoom out with me a little bit and see why we worship the way we do. The first question we need to ask is, why do we, even, why do we gather like this? Why do we gather together in, in, in a building? And all over, the, all over the world, people gather in small groups. They gather in little huts. Uh, they gather in great 
cathedrals. They, they gather in uh, uh, commercial office buildings and, and storefront buildings. They gather everywhere. And they gather together to worship. And what is the reason we do this? Some people would say, oh, well, we gather together for mission. You know, this is, we're on a mission. Everybody's on mission. You need to see yourself as a missionary. And we gather together to get equipped to get empowered and to, and to learn more stuff so that we can do what God's called us to do. Could I caution you that, that if that is the driving force for how we gather, that you might get burnt out? While it is true that we have a mission, it is true that Jesus gave us a great commission. He said that we should go into all the world and we should preach the message of the gospel. In Matthew, he said, we sh you should baptize. Baptize in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teach them to obey everything I've commanded you. Okay, so, so he gave us this commission and so we're supposed to have this mission and we're supposed to be about the mission, but I fear that if we focus on the mission and the doing exclusively to the, some of the other things I think God's trying to do, I think we get tired out. I think we get worn out. I think we gravitate to a works mentality. And before you know it, we're kind of taking pride in the things we do rather than taking our joy and our strength and, and our faith from God's grace. So I just, I, I, I'm not sure that mission is the, is the primary reason we gather. It certainly is part of it. I believe my role as a pastor is teaching you and empowering you and, and releasing and equipping. I think all that's good. And, and we should do that with one another when we gather. But I wouldn't put it at the center. The second reason people often say we should gather is, is we should gather for expression, we're gathering for just ex expressing our hearts to God. We're just gathering for worship, and we're going to just lift up our hearts, and we're going to express our love to God. But subtly, if that's the reason, the focus becomes us instead of God. The focus becomes our experience suddenly. And our expression, we start thinking in terms of what I can do in the service and what I could get out of it in my expression. We begin, we begin, it just it turns the focus, I think, to the wrong person when the, when the focus should be on, on God. And so, you know, and, and this leads us to all kinds of conclusions, right? Like, there's a whole group of people who've been saying for years that worship is so much more than music, right? Worship is, is way more than music. It's not, just, it's not just gathering together to worship and together in a, in a church. It's, it's everything. And here's the problem. When you start saying that, if worship is everything, then it's also nothing because it doesn't have any definition. So this is where you get a bunch of young uh, Austinites who are saying, man, I, I don't need to go to a church. I, I get my hiking boots and I get a couple buddies. That's my church. I, I love Jesus. I put my iPod in. I, I press play. And I got church right there. I'm not sure that was Jesus' idea of the church that he said he would build and the gates of hell would not be able to prevail against it. I'm not sure he was thinking about that kind of individualized, isolated religion. There's got to be something more powerful, something more focused. Mission 
can't necessarily do it. Expression can't necessarily do it. I want you to consider the fact that the reason we gather is for God to form us. The reason we gather together for worship is formation of our souls to begin to be formed into the image of Christ. To be formed into the image of Jesus Christ, God's only Son, who gave his life, who surrendered everything, who was raised from the dead. You know, the Bible calls him the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. He was the first one to act like everybody after him would begin to act who was born again. So we begin to be formed when we gather together, when we surrender to a time of worship where we come into a place together and we, and we, and we sing and we play and we, and we do things that begin to shape our worldview. God wants to shape our reality. He wants to reshape our view of what the world is really like. If you think about, if you think about 2 Corinthians 3.18, you can write it down and look it up later. I'll just quote it to you. 2 Corinthians 3.18 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, And we who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory are being transformed. Right? So a couple things here. First is unveiled faces. It's a story about Moses and how he had a veil over his face when he met with God on the mountain and his face was glowing. Here's the problem. In our current modern day society, what do we do? We wear masks. We put the veil on so that people don't see all the gunk inside. But here's, Paul is making the case. He's saying, look, we, we take the veil off. We don't hide it. We don't hide what God's doing. In fact, what Christ is doing is so amazing. We take it off and let other people see what Jesus is doing in our lives. So we who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory. Hey, you are not the initiator of the glory. You're the moon, not the sun. Sometimes when we, when we emphasize expression at the expense of other things, we think we're doing the, the, the work. We think we're the ones. When we, when we focus too much on mission, we think we're the initiators, and we got this job to do, and we got to get it done. Look, the bottom line is we're just supposed to be reflecting God's glory and his work that he's already doing. We reflect him. That's pretty easy. That just means we're mirrors, and what we're trying to do is make sure that through the Scripture and through the work of the Spirit and through the community of believers gathering together, we're being shaped and molded and formed into the image of Christ. That's what the verse says. It says, and we who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory are being transformed into the image, into the image of the Lord. The work of the Spirit is happening here. Now, here's the problem. Our society has some values that are opposite to ours. If you think about it, our culture, they, they celebrate celebrities. We have a celebrity-driven culture. Everybody wants to be famous. We have a convenience culture. Everybody say convenience. I like for everything to be convenient. The more convenient it is, the better I like it. Uh, we also have a consumer-driven culture. 
And so our society promotes celebrities and convenience and consumerism, and too often we take on, as the church of Jesus Christ, the characteristics of our culture. And so the way we do church sometimes reflects these values too much. You ever been somewhere where the, the, the worship service kind of looks like a rock and roll show? Power stance, worship leader. I'm pretty good at it. I used to do that. I'm so, I, 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 I tell you what, I, I just take a moment to brag on Marty. I'm so grateful for Marty. This guy is so humble. He is so gentle. He's a hard worker. He, he is such a, a man of God, and he's leading his families and leading this community of artists to try to make sure that all of that celebrity-driven stuff is not going to be part of our culture. And so, so I think the way we worship reflects how we're formed. I want you to just think about this for a second. Convenience is a big deal to people. Um, if we package everything in Christianity and perfectly programmed 65-minute presentations for their consumption. I'm fearful that that will keep everybody shallow. Sometimes we have a 90-minute service, and I tell people that, and they're like, whoa, 90 minutes, oh, man. And then I went to a UT game one Saturday. You ever been to a UT game? People. Thousands and thousands, tens of thousands of people sitting on really hard benches for a very long time, like four hours. They all know the songs. They all sing the songs together, right? There's an announcer who tells them everything that's happening. There's, it's incredible. It's like, it is like church. In, in some ways, it's maybe too much like church. I wonder... I wonder if we need, to, we need to relook at how we're shaping our worship because our worship shapes us. I'm going I'm to give you a, a Latin phrase that the church fathers came up with. It is lex orandi, lex credendi. Lex orandi, lex credendi. It essentially means, it was, it, this was popularized by a contemporary of St. Augustine. And it means the law of prayer is the law of belief. That's a loose translation. The law of prayer is the law of belief. What it means is the, the rules that guide prayer are the rules that guide faith or believing. Another way you could say it is the way that you pray is the way that you will begin to believe. I want you to think about the implications of that. The way you pray is the way you will start believing the way that we worship, in other words, our worship practices begin to form our faith. If we form our worship service based on celebrityism, convenience, I don't even know if celebrityism is a word, but it sounded good. If, we've, if, we've, if we form our worship services around celebrity convenience and consumerism, in other words, what, what, what can I get out of this meeting? If I go to church and they don't sing my favorite songs, eh, it was kind of a bummer Sunday. 
You know what that is? That's a consumer mentality. You brought it in here with you because that's the culture you and I live in. God wants to shape us differently. He wants to help us see how his kingdom is different than the, the, the world that we live in, and he wants to help us be shaped and formed, not by that world, but by the world that is to come. That is what's happening when we gather together for worship. We have to make our peace with why we worship the way we do. I want to tell you that the reason we do a creed every Sunday, just about every Sunday, Every once in a while, we'll, we'll do something a little bit different or we'll do a prayer of confession. But the reason we do this is because we're reaching into history, trying to be rooted in what God has been doing for centuries. We realize we're just the latest people to experience this, but we're not the greatest. We are just some of the people. The world does not revolve around us. The message of Jesus Christ has been going for centuries and centuries, and it reminds us of where we stand in history. The Nicene Creed was written in 325 AD. It was formed by a council, the Council of Nicaea, and they formed it because there was all kinds of heresy that was tearing down the divinity of Jesus Christ. They lived in a culture that was undoing what they believed. I have found that in our culture, people don't know what they believe anymore. Biblical literacy, all-time low. Nobody knows what the Bible says, and they don't know how to explain what they believe. The, one of the reasons we do the creed every week is because it's just a tiny little step into the world of confessing and articulating what it is we actually believe. And letting it sink in deep into our, our souls and into our psyches. And I know that it's not enough, but it is the beginning point of beginning to study and the scripture and to begin to, to learn and to grow in what we actually believe. I, I, I'm committed to this because I think it forms us, and it doesn't just form us emotionally. The music is powerful. Music has incredible power. It's very emotional. I don't mind it. I love it. It's wonderful. But I can't be a church where we just worship emotionally. We have to be a church that worships emotionally and intellectually. We have to be a church, as Jesus put it, when he was asked, what's the greatest commandment? He said, you should love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. That means your body, your mind, your heart, your spirit, what God is doing inside of you, all of it is included. When you start worshiping like that, that's the shape, that's the form that Jesus is trying to work out in you, and it reflects him. It reflects who he is. Another thing that we are committed to at One Chapel and is, is Holy Communion every Sunday. And this was a big leap for me. I did not grow up in a church that, had, that, that celebrated communion every week. We come to the Lord's table, and you hear me say it week after week. I, I want to I unpack it a little bit. We say that, it, that we do this every week because Jesus is the centerpiece of all Christian worship. When you, when you, when you pull that back, what you find is that 
You're, you're saying that Jesus and his work on the cross, Jesus and his death, taking on the sins of the entire world, Jesus becoming the one who will take every penalty, every failure, every foolish act, every mistake, and take it upon himself and become the penalty for sin, suffer the penalty for sin. His death takes our place. We deserve death. We were separated from God. He takes it on himself. Then he's placed in a tomb he sacrifices his life, but then God raises him from the dead in, in power and in authority. He gets a different body. He starts acting different. He starts working differently. It is an incredible story. It's an incredible picture. Communion is about that picture. Communion is about the forgiveness that is available to you and me every single week. Communion is the picture of God's grace to you and I, the best illustration of his love for you and I, that we bring nothing to the table. Jesus brings everything, and he wants to nourish us. All we have to do is empty our lives so that we can receive him. If you, <laughs> you got to bring all your stuff to him, but then you got to give it all away. you got to lay it down at the feet of the cross. That communion experience keeps us focused on the right things. Now, another thing that it does is it pushes back on the consumer-driven mentality of what's in it for me. Is the message, was the message good today? Eh, the pastor didn't do that well. You, didn't, you don't think I know that you say that around the table? Some, some Sundays are awesome. Some Sundays are baloney sandwiches. It's just the way it is. You can't have Thanksgiving every single week. But I do believe... I do believe that no matter what the message is, and, and, and the, guys, the guys that teach on, on this platform, I believe we're, we're studying, we're, we're trying to interpret what Jesus is doing in our community and trying to share the scriptures in a responsible manner. I'm committed to a team of teachers so that it's not just reliant on me as the man, right? Push back against that celebrity culture. I mean, I am the man. I mean, don't get me wrong, but, but the... But, the, the thing is, I don't, I don't want that position. I want us to undo that part of our culture in our setting and make sure we, we don't take ourselves too seriously. It's just us. We're just here in a performing arts center with a horse tank. <laughs> so there's this journey that we're on to, to ask God to form us and shape us and baptism is one of these things. And I just want to say it very, very quickly. I want you to understand that baptism is, we're celebrating this picture. We're doing, it's a sign and a symbol, but there is a supernatural thing that takes place. A physical demonstration of a spiritual reality. And as we do it, something happens in the life of a person. Do you know why? Because do you know what happens when you separate somebody's spirit from their body. Yeah, they're dead, right? They're dead, so now they no longer live. But if your body, if your spirit is alive in your body, and then you're all connected. Everything's connected. And so the physical things we do have spiritual implications. Are you, did I lose you just now? Look at me, look at me. I kind of lost you. A lot of stuff going on around here. Look at me, look, look, up here. Caw, caw. I want you to get this. The physical things we do have spiritual implications. The spiritual things we do have physical implications. When you mistreat people and take advantage of them, that has spiritual implications. When you 
go to church instead of going to the strip club. It has different spiritual implications. I said that with children in here tonight. Okay, so, so here's what I want you to see. We're celebrating this baptism because Jesus teaches us that in this activity, we are, we are formed, we are shaped. We are committed to something that is not necessarily understood by the culture and the world that surrounds us. It seems somehow uh, simplistic in a way, but I want to highlight for you what happened to Jesus when he was baptized, because he did not have to be baptized. He was perfect, but he obeyed the Lord in baptism. This is what Matthew 3.16 says. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water, and at that moment, heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son, whom I love, and with him I am well pleased. I want you to see what God did to him, because I think it's the same thing that happens to us in water baptism. Look at it. The first thing that happened was he said, this is my son. This is my son. That was his identity. He was saying it was his identity. He was saying, this, this guy belongs to me. Look up here. Look up here. Don't look over there. Look up here. Man, it's so amazing. You guys are like. <laughs> I'm almost done. I promise. I'm almost done. It's almost finished. All right? The pain is almost over. Jesus was, Jesus was told he's by his father, you belong to me. This is your identity. But then he went further than that, and he said, this is my son whom I love. This is the same thing I think he says to sons and daughters who go through the waters of baptism, is he says, you're my son, you're my daughter, you belong to me, and furthermore, I love you. I can't love you any more than I already do. There is nothing more you can do to earn or accept my love. I love you. I validate you as a person of worth, as a person who I love. That's what happens in baptism. That's what happened to Jesus. And then he said, with him, I am well pleased. Now, interesting fact to know and tell. With him, I am well pleased. This is before any recorded ministry from Jesus. He hadn't recorded one miracle yet. There hadn't been one healing that we know of. It could be that it happened. We certainly know he was about his father's business at 12 years old when he was at the temple and he got lost and disconnected from his parents and they had to go find him. So he certainly knew about obedience and he certainly knew who he was. But there's something that happened here at water baptism. In obedience, he started a new life and ministry. Something happened to him. And the Holy Spirit descended on him like a dove, another passage says. And the voice from heaven said, with you I am well pleased. But he hadn't really done anything yet. Too many Christians feel as though they're only pleasing God when they do, 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 do. Water baptism is about identifying with the death of Christ, death to me. And all I want to do is live the life that God wants for me. When you obey the Lord like this, he says to you, I'm so pleased with you. I am so happy with you. And this is how I see you, period. 
Well, Pastor Ross, what about you know, when we make mistakes? Because it's not the last time we're going to make a mistake. Yeah, true, very true. But if you can settle this as your identity, that Jesus, that God has validated you, that the Father is pleased with you, because when you turn to him and surrender to him, all he sees is the work of Christ. When you can turn to him and respond to him in obedience. Now listen, water baptism is, I don't, I don't think it's related as strongly to salvation as other people do. I think you come to Christ out of repentance and belief. I think when you, when you look at 2 uh, or Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9, it says, And it is by grace you have been saved through faith, not of yourselves, so that nobody can brag, nobody can boast. There's no works that you can do. Salvation comes by grace through faith alone. Romans 10, 9 and 10 says, With the mouth confession is made. You confess with your mouth and you believe in your heart that Christ was raised from the dead and you will be saved. I, I just think this is, this is how it works. But I think water baptism is the next step. You believe in Christ. You, 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 you surrender your life to him in terms of being rescued from sin and darkness and failure. And you trust him to rescue you. But what water baptism is, is, a, is a, a obedience and faith. Obedience and faith coming together. It's being willing to say no to the way you've been living. It's releasing your old way of life and it's welcoming the new life that God has for you. And I'll tell you what we're gonna do around one chapel is we're gonna be more consistent when people come to Christ and they receive the Lord as their savior. In other words, the salvation. We're gonna, we're gonna follow that very quickly with water baptism because I think it's an important element. It's in their journey. It's an important step because it means obedience and it means faith and it means a supernatural experience coming up out of the water person after person after person. They obey the Lord in baptism and they come up out of the water and something happens to them that's supernatural. I can't really explain it in full detail. I just know what happens Communion is the same way. You remember, you take the body, you take the blood, you receive it. It seems so common, and yet God is in it by faith. It's a mystery. So I want you to understand, this is what we're doing today. This is what shapes our faith. This is what forms our lives, the way we do church, the way we interact with one another. If you look at baptism, it is deeply personal. It's a deeply personal connection with Christ. I'm identifying with Christ. Number two, it's deeply communal. It's a community of people witnessing what's going on in the life of a person. Have you ever noticed you can't baptize yourself? You can't baptize yourself. It takes a community. It takes a group of people, and they witness it. And what happens in their hearts as they witness it is faith rises in their hearts, and they celebrate what's going on in the life of that person. And... They, they become instant accountability partners. Because you got a person saying, yep, I'm, my life is no longer my own. I only serve Christ. And I welcome all of you into my journey with me. That's what you're saying. That's what we're saying. We're going to walk with you. And then there's a transformational process that begins to work its way out by the Spirit. It is, it is personal, it's communal, and it is transformational. And that's what we're witnessing today. And, and I want you to see that, and I want you to embrace it, and I want you to understand it, because indeed, we will be shaped to face the world 
the way Jesus dealt with the world by these activities. So we're going to move now to baby dedication and then, and then baptism. We're going to take a time of worship. So here's the families that are dedicating babies. I'm going to have you guys stand up, and I want you to come here, and all the families can just uh, actually come down here a little farther. Let's come down on this side, and I want you to come over here. Um, this is Mike and Becca. I love Mike and Becca Shelton. Many of you know who they are. We got Kyle and Eugenia. Wow, we have, wow, our, so you guys are all with these guys. Okay, great, 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 okay. <laughs> Steve and Cherie, Steve and Cherie Williams here, and we love them, we so appreciate them. Now, now okay, tell me, tell me I've, I've lost the name of this one. Savannah is all I can think of. Olivia, I couldn't, I couldn't come up with it. I could only think of Savannah, because you keep popping them out. Wonderful. You're fruitful. It's wonderful. It's a blessing. And so, okay, so who are we dedicating today, Steve? Christian. Yeah, okay. Christian, way to go, man. This is a, you're, you are a man. You're not a baby. And you are being committed to the Lord, his purpose and plan for your life today. That's a cool thing. Good job. And then we have tiny little brand new baby Landon Landon in a cute little hat there's, there's, there's nothing quite like this for a parent because what you're doing as a parent here is you're, you're standing up and you're saying okay God you gave me this little life now I'm going to give him back to you and it's no small thing because all your hopes and dreams as a, par as a parent are wrapped up inside this little this little child, this little life that you've been given. And you want God to work in them. And so what we're committing to as a community is we are choosing to stand with them and to raise them together. You do realize Hillary Clinton was right. It does take a village. Oh, people. Easy. Jeez. This, this, it does take a community of people to raise healthy kids. Parents can't raise them by themselves. They need extended family, and they need friends, and they need neighbors, and they need the body of Christ. So, so I want to pray over these kids, and I want you to rate kind of as a symbol, all right, of your commitment to pray for these families and these kids. I want you to just stretch your hands forward. Stretch your hands forward, and we're going to pray over these kids. Pastors, just find your way to make sure. Oh, we have a new one. Who is it? Zoe. Our church just becomes more fruitful like that. So we're going we're gonna to commit Zoe to the Lord's plan and purpose. We're going to consecrate her, and we're going to give her to the Lord. So... All these kids, we're going to stretch out our hands and let's pray over them. Each of these children, Father, you saw them. You saw their unformed body. That's what Psalm 139 says. You saw them before they even came out of the womb. And you knew every day before even one of them came to pass. And so, Lord Jesus, we take a moment here in this 
community of believers and we say thank you for the miracle of new life. Thank you for the miracle of a, of a baby, little tiny fingers and toes and, and little tiny arms and legs and, and a, a tiny human that's wrapped up in, 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 our, in our lives and our lives are wrapped up in it and there is a future and huge potential inside of each one of these little lives that only you know. Only you know the potential. And that's why we want to dedicate them to you. That's why we want to consecrate them to you. We want to consecrate them to your purpose. And so we pray for their minds, that they would always be able to understand who you are and what you're doing. Lord, that we pray for their little mouths, that they would always speak the words that you give them to say. Pray for their hands, that they'd always do the things that you want them to do. That we pray for their feet, Lord, that you would take them. It would only take them to where you want them to go. We pray for their ears to hear your voice and their hearts to always be sensitive to your whispering. Lord, we pray over them now. And we we pray that you would break the scheme of the enemy that would want to destroy them. The, the things that, are, that, that somehow are out here in this world or the things that have been assigned against them by the dark things of this world, we break the power and that authority in their lives and we transfer that authority to the kingdom of light. And we ask you, Lord, to reign in their lives, to protect them from the enemy and the wicked one. And Lord, we pray for life over and over again. Now we pray for their homes. We pray for their, their parenting. We pray for the parents and we pray that you would teach them and give them wisdom, give them insight, give them revelation about these kids that nobody else knows so that they can raise them in the fear and the admonition of the Lord. Let peace rest on their home. Let them experience the love of God and be the best illustration that this child has of your great love as they raise them. We thank you for it. Protect their marriage. Work within them walk with them and help them as they raise these children. We love these kids. We thank you for these kids. Now we commit as a community to walk alongside these parents, to walk with them, to raise these kids together with them, and to be part of the community of Christ that you've put together. We thank you for this. In Jesus' powerful name, we pray. Amen. Come on. Thank God for what he's doing. All right, now all of you who are ready to be baptized, we're going to worship for a few minutes, and I just want all of you to just participate. Don't just witness it. Participate. Pray for them as they're being baptized. Pray for them as they're making their commitments to God. Uh, and let's, let's just have a great time of celebrating what Jesus is doing. So all of the baptism candidates, I want you to stand up right now, and I want you to go over here to the, to the, to the tank, all right? Stand up. You'll see them in their shirts. All right, line up right here along this aisle, right here. All right, I want you guys all to get a good look at them. Here's some kids. Here's, here's some of the guys. I met, I met them all before church, and it was amazing to see the cross-section of people that are coming to Christ, that are giving their lives to the Lord. And so come, everybody stand here. Yep, line up right there. That's perfect. Hey, let these other guys get around the, the tank. There you go. 
All right, everybody see them? They're right here in the t-shirts, right? Everybody give them a huge hand for what they're doing. Let's pray over them. Father, would you walk with each of these baptism candidates that are confessing their faith publicly? They're making a public declaration of faith for us to celebrate with and for us to walk with them. Lord, would you do something powerful as they experience this sacrament of the church, this historical activity, this ancient activity that's been done over and over and over again for centuries as a witness, as an expression, as a symbol of their death to themselves and life in Christ, the life that God has for them. We thank you for them, and we pray your blessing and your protection and your wisdom and your guidance and your supernatural hand as they obey the Lord in baptism. In Jesus' name. Come on, Marty, let's worship together. Everybody stand up. Let's worship the Lord together as we baptize. the <laughs> 
Chapel, I want to be known for that. I want to be known for doing that over and over and over and over again. People coming alive in Christ. I, I, I asked in the first service, is there anybody that feels like you just want to be baptized today because God's working in your life and you just want to go? Anybody? We had like two people in the first service. You want to go? Come on over here to the tank. Just come on over. I've got t-shirts and stuff for you. Anybody else? Yeah, come on. If you want to come, if you want to come, just come over here. Spiro, raise your hand. Spiro, yeah, right here, Spiro, right there. Just stand right there. You want to, here's the thing. Here's the deal. I, I'm, not a, I'm not necessarily a big fan of spontaneous baptism because I think people need to, they need to, uh, obviously count the costs and they need to they need to be saved right they need to they need to make a commitment to Christ but here's the thing in the presence of God where God is working in people's lives sometimes that's the best place to make the decision and so so I I just um, <laughs> the first service we baptized a couple more and now in the second service if you want to come down in fact Brent why don't you just talk to him real quick uh, and, and about what they're deciding to do, pray with them a little bit, and then you guys start into baptism. I'm going to take the rest of these guys, and we're going we're gonna to do our last few things in this service. And so I want you to take your, just stay standing, but I want you to take your communion elements from this row right over here, and I want you to get a hold of those communion elements. Amy, can you give me one right here? I know I'm messing up the whole program, but I think we need a church where the program gets messed up pretty consistently. I don't, I, I'm, I, I don't, listen, I don't believe that spontaneity means more spiritual, okay? I don't believe that. But I do believe that we can never, we can never let our forms just become sort of an empty tradition and we can't let those forms control us when God's trying to move and do something different with us. So we're going to use these forms to shape us, obviously, these practices of worship. But I think, I think we have to be open to the work of the Spirit. So if you have your communion elements, I just want you to hold it there for a second. I want you to look at that. It's plastic. It's plastic, and then there's a little rice cake inside. That's what it is. It's a little rice patty. And then there's grape juice. Much like the horse tank, this seems like such an unholy or, uncom or a common routine way to treat the body and blood of Christ. But let me tell you what I think. The gospel, the message of the gospel is the one who is holy putting himself in the most common, the most common of us, the most dirty, the most broken receptacle that he can find, our lives. And then his brokenness begins to repair our brokenness. He makes, he makes common things sacred. We've said it since we began the church. We started moving, meet, meeting in a movie theater, and in that movie theater, I would stand up and say, hey, we make 
common places sacred. Because we're here and because God's here. You make your home, which is common, you make it sacred by committing your life to Christ. Your job can be a place of sacred activity because you're there and the Holy Spirit inhabits you. Common work can become a holy thing if you'll commit it to him. And I think that's what's at work here. Something so common, so simple. I want you to take, open that, that first layer and I want you to get out that, that little wafer and I want you to hold it in your hands. I want you to close your eyes. I want you to think about the broken body of Jesus. The broken body of Jesus hanging on a cross, bleeding from his side, his hands and feet, crown of thorns on his head, looking down at this group of people and crying out to his father saying, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. Can I encourage you today that coming to the table is a way of saying, Father, we don't know what we're doing. In fact, we've kind of lost our way and we're coming back to you. Forgive us because we don't know what we're doing. Forgive us of failures and mistakes this week. Forgive us by your blood and by your mercy and by your sacrifice. Forgive our sins. By your broken body, heal us. You might just break that, break that wafer in two pieces. Thank you, God, for your healing. Thank you for your broken body, bringing healing into our body your brokenness, creating healing in our souls, in our minds, making us holy. We receive it from you now. Forgiveness, cleansing, healing. We receive together. Everybody, go ahead and receive that wafer together. Just receive from him. Lord, we thank you receive from you everything you have for us. We receive nourishment for our souls. We receive the healing that we need. We receive from you. Now peel back the second layer. Just hold it. Don't drink it yet. But Father, thank you for this cup that represents the, the blood of Jesus, the blood of the new covenant. The new covenant that's better than the old covenant. The, the new covenant that's based on the, the work of Christ. And the new covenant that's based on grace. And based on our surrender to you. And so, Lord, in this moment, we surrender. We repent of our sins. We say no to our way of life. And we say yes to your way of life. We say no to our foolishness. And we say yes to your wisdom. We say no to our desires, and we say yes to your purpose in our lives. Thank you for forgiveness. Thank you for cleansing, washing our sins away. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's receive it together. Now across the room, let's just kind of say thank you. Just, just say it out loud. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, God. 
thank you for your grace and mercy extended to me. Thank you for what you're offering. Thank you for new life. Thank you, God, for all that you're doing. We receive. We receive. Now the final thing we're going to do is we're going to say the Nicene Creed together. And we're going to use it as our benediction and then we're going to pass the, the buckets for the offering. The buckets are being passed right now for you to get rid of your cup. You can do that. We want to make sure we're good stewards of this facility and we don't dirty it up so we, we have to collect them after we receive together. And So just do that. Just pass them on down and put your cup in there. But here's what we're doing. We're saying words that have been said by Christians, by believers, words that have held them together through persecution, through the difficult centuries of life where they were, it was not popular to become a Christian. We're saying these words that hold us together with the external forces of our culture and things that rise up within our own hearts that want to push us away from God. But we're saying, no, we believe in the God who rescues us. We believe in the Savior, the Son of God, Jesus Christ. We believe in the Holy Spirit. And so I want us to confess these words together. And ushers, I want you to come and be ready to pass the buckets. And that's the final thing we'll do today. And we'll uh, give our tithes and offerings. And so uh, come down front and let's say this prayer together. Come on, everybody with me. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, of one being with the Father. Through him all things were made. For us and for our salvation, he came down from heaven was incarnate of the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary and became truly human. For our sake, he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. And on the third day, he rose again in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son is worshiped and glorified, who has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy, worldwide, and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Come on, let's worship as we give. Back to the start where you found me. I'm coming back to your heart. I surrender, take me. 
Let the future be. 
so I'm going to let them continue to baptize over there. Isn't this what the church is supposed to be? So remember, next time you're at a football game, the last four hours and you're sitting on a hard seat, we did not keep you extra long. I'm going to formally dismiss you, but we're going to continue to worship and let them be baptized with us here, giving them just a yeah. amount of support. So here we go. You guys don't know I'm doing this song, but here we go.
praise you, Lord. Come on, one moment. For those of you that are still here, you, you decided that the football game isn't as worth. Stay. So, so do something for me. Come on, just as a sign of reverence to God, why don't you just lift your hands to him? And this is going to be our benediction. Just hold that A out, guys. I want us to sing this really simply. Just the voices sing, and we'll let the band fade away. This is our benediction here today as we've worshiped God, as we've seen baptisms take place, and watched the transformation happen in so many lives. We sing this together. Sing this. Praise God from whom time. Praise God. Praise God from Father, we thank you for what we've witnessed here today. We thank you for what you've done in our own hearts. We thank you for renewing our hearts towards people who are discovering you. We thank you for getting us back in touch with what it looks like to surrender. We thank you for helping us in this service. Thank you for forming us shaping us, molding us for the purpose and the plan that you have for us to go from this place and to walk in it. I pray for every person, every child, every grandparent, every parent, every adult, every single, every married person, we would walk in the purpose that you have for us. A surrendered life, willing, ready to be your your instrument to touch others. Continue to form us and shape us into the image of your dear Son, Jesus Christ. 